think they got the answers, I change the questions. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. Are you chewing gum? Welcome back to Daily Notes, presented by Almost Sideways. My name is Adam. So excited for this episode. But before I introduce our guest, gotta get this out of the way fast. Go over on Twitter. Follow us over there. We're building up a good community on the Twitters. You can follow the podcast at Almost Sideways. And you can follow myself at Adam Sideways. We'd love to have good conversation over on Twitter. So... Without further ado, let's just jump right into this conversation. It's going to be a good one, guys. So my guest today, guys, is I'm very excited for this. She is a TV film critic on YouTube. Her YouTube channel has surpassed 12,000 subscribers and growing. She's the host of the Pop Culture Planet podcast. She's a Rotten Tomatoes approved critic. She's a member of the uh, tele, um, Television Academy, a two-time Shorty Award winner. And she's currently the manager of social media at MTV. And I'm talking about Kristen Maldonado. Kristen, thank you for taking some time out of your busy schedule. And is the, did I leave off anything off this list of accomplishments already? Oh, no, that was beautiful. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I'm glad uh, to be here. No, I'm, we're, we're excited to have you as well. And it's we kind of talked a little bit off before we started pushing record of the podcast here. And I, I had a YouTube channel as well. And that's where we kind of first met, but I never got a, a chance to really work with you. So I'm really excited for this opportunity and I'm really thankful for you to be in here. So. Oh, of course. I'm excited. Well, first off, I want to let the people know at home if they haven't heard you, uh, where can we find you on YouTube and social media and what kind of stuff you're going to be doing over there? Yeah, so um, I'm mainly on YouTube, youtube.com slash kmaldo, that's K-A-Y-M-A-L-D-O, and I do a lot of movie and TV reviews, celebrity interviews, um, I also uh, host a podcast called Pop Culture Planet that you mentioned, um, which you can find there, or you can search uh, the name on all podcast listening platforms and, and listen instead of watching a live video if you want, um, and then I'm also kmaldo on Twitter, Facebook, and if you add a one at the end, you can find me on Instagram. Fantastic stuff, guys. And all that stuff will be in the show notes of the podcast. So make sure you check out those links because it's going to be – there's some really amazing content here. And Kristen's always been one of those people that like I've asked, bounced questions off you and you kind of helped me out uh, with podcasting questions and also some other uh, stuff getting meeting up with like netflix people too so like yeah. been, i'm really appreciative of a lot of good information so definitely something i would highly encourage any listener to uh take a take a listen to so so let's dive into kind of getting to know who getting to know you as well so uh i guess the guess we have to go all the way back in the time machine here and just kind of ask like your growing up kind of question here so you're so deeply rooted in this pop culture scene today that uh, was there like a specific thing growing up that like this is what I want to do for my life? I, I really love this kind of stuff, and that's where I want to kind of see myself in the future going. Now, that's a great question. Um, you know, when I was young, I was really shy, and my mom uh, signed me up for musical theater classes, and that's kind of where I first, you know, got my taste of like entertainment. Um, I did a lot of musical theater and singing and acting. And when I got to college, I was studying that as well. And then I kind of was like, I don't know if this is going to be a stable job, <laughs> you know, yeah. there's a lot of competition. So, you know, I joined the radio station at my school and I, then I was kind of like, you know, I really like this. Maybe this sort of allows me to perform in a way and also, 
dive more analytically into like entertainment and learn about, you know, how projects come together and, you know, just talk about these things that I enjoy with other people. And so um, once I joined the radio station in my school, I was like, okay, actually, I'm going to switch my major. So junior year, I switched my major to broadcast journalism um, and I kept my theater minor and, uh, you know, just kind of focused on that and tried to do as many internships as possible. But, um, you know, I just always loved performing and I, I kind of thought like maybe hosting is sort of like acting in a way, you know, bro, you know, broadcast journalism, it's, it's kind of like that, but then you also get to like be more analytical and dive deeper into certain projects. And, you know, originally I was like trying to be an entertainment host, like, you know, yeah. e-news or like, you know, mm-hmm. one of like, a local news entertainment reporter. And um, then as I was trying to kind of get more experience, because, you know, I, I would go to a lot of panels to learn more about, like, how can I do this? You know, because there's that, a lot of that catch-22, which I feel like mm-hmm. happens with a lot of jobs of, like, you can't get the experience unless you already have the experience. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so one of the panels that I went to, I remember they kept saying, like, if you want to be on camera, you have to put yourself on camera. Go somewhere, record a stand-up, go to a theater and, like interview people about a movie, you know, like just, just record anything and like put something together, put a reel together. And as I was kind of putting projects together, I started thinking like, well, what if I just like, I don't know, what if I just like put videos on YouTube talking about entertainment, you know, and yeah, got experience that way. Like maybe I could make my own show and then that could give me experience and I could learn. Um, so that's kind of like where it started. And, and I, like when I was in school, I knew that entertainment was what I wanted to do. Like when I was in college, mm-hmm. like once I decided broadcast journalism, I was like, entertainment is it. And my college didn't really focus on that. They were all about hard news. So I was really like trying to find any opportunities to do entertainment related things. So all my internships, you know, I used that kind of as my way to figure out like, what am I interested in? Um, and as long as it was entertainment related, I was like, okay, I'm in, <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's pretty, that's pretty awesome. That's like, that's, Wow, that's like that's a journey that you've been on, and like I said, like I mentioned before, like you've accomplished so much because you're just like you said in your job, you kind of just have to put it out there, and that's exactly what you're you're doing. You you went out and you accomplished something. You've accomplished quite a bit, and just uh, how how long? Actually, first off, before I go into that, um, how long have how was this journey, this process for you? Like when you're like, I'm I'm switching my major, and then I'm going, I'm putting myself out there, and I, all this stuff opened up for you. How what was like the time frame? Like how, what's the the length of that? Um, so I changed my major junior year, um, and then, you know, did a bunch of internships senior year uh, after I graduated, I got my job at MTV doing, uh, like social media for an entertainment company. And then about a year later, um, is when I started, or, uh, yeah, I guess maybe, a, maybe not a full year later, but like a few mm-hmm. months later is when I started my YouTube channel. So all of that kind of started around like my professional career, I guess, started around like 2013, 2014. Okay. Awesome. So pretty much after you like kind of 2013, so you really started making it happen and that's where you really got onto your like on air stuff, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, that's perfect. That's awesome. So kind uh, of go backtrack a little bit. And um, again, you're saying that you went, you were like into plays and stuff, all this stuff. What was like, what was your most memorable play that you were in growing up? Like what's, that's the one that I really loved the most. Oh man, that's a there's good probably question. a lot. <laughs> there's so many, and like where I'm from, they would do the same musicals, and you would just like, you know, every year do a different, you know, role. <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, I mean, one of my favorite musicals of all time is Aida. 
And mm -hmm. um, I love contemporary musicals, you know, uh, like pop and R&B. So um, I was in that a couple of times and it, I just love the music so much. It's like Tim Rice and Elton John. And um, so that was really fun. And I also did Sweeney Todd when I like first first started doing theater. And that was a really fun one because it's like spooky and oh, nice. you know, That's cool. scary. Um, and that has great music also. It does. Uh, what character did you play in Sweeney Todd? Sweeney Todd, that was when I was first starting. So I was just in it. Um, okay. But in Aida, I played Nehebka, who was like kind of uh just like one of the uh, she had like a couple solos but she was just kind of like there you know like uh yeah. one of the, uh, the women in the in the project but um okay. some of the projects that I really loved that I did was um I did rent a couple of times and I did like Joe I was Joanne I did the seasons of love solo um wow. what else uh I did Rocky Horror a lot I was um <laughs> <laughs> I was Magenta in one of them and then another one I was Eddie Dr. Scott which was <laughs> Not what I expected to be cast as, but it was fun. <laughs> Maybe that That's... shows more comedy chops than I think. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, I, I will show my kind of my movie ignorance. I've never seen that movie. Oh, I know, I know they made it the movie. I know that's one of them. I, but this, the makes it even worse is I own it. I think it's oh, still in the plastic. Classic. Yeah. yeah. Cold classic. Yeah, and that's why right here. And I there's another YouTuber that he's he's been doing the 31 for 31 on Halloween, and he reviewed it. And I was like, man, the way he's describing this movie, why haven't I watched it yet? And I I I, I saw that video a couple weeks ago, and I still haven't watched it yet. And I was like, man, I gotta sit down and just do it one of these days. Anyway, yeah, now's the time. Now's the time. It's the perfect time, exactly. Uh, so that's that's pretty awesome. So, um, growing up, were you like into like movies and TV shows there, or were you kind of just like? that's something that was around but i'm not really in, too involved or interested in that stuff you know i I try to think i'm trying to think back because I, I know i did a lot of musical theater at that time so i don't know if i was really necessarily watching as much as i do now well no i definitely wasn't watching as much as i do <laughs> you can't get you have a lot of content <laughs> yeah, and um you know, I, I definitely was interested in it i definitely enjoyed it um but i guess i didn't i don't think i was as aware of like where my passion for it would go um you know so I definitely like me and my friends would always go to the movies they had like Tuesday five dollar movie days and stuff like that um but I definitely think now it feels like you know not as much compared to you know how much I end up watching now <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah I remember growing up and I when I my first memory like big memory about movies and such was we we had three movies growing up. I had The Little Mermaid. I had Beetlejuice and a couple like Charlie Brown. So maybe like a handful of films and really nothing. We we had we 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 were fine, but financially we didn't have a whole lot. Like we didn't have money to spend on movies until one year. Santa Claus came and gave me a whole big box of my brothers and sisters, a whole big box of the Disney uh, animated, like the, the whole catalog, basically, yeah. like all the VHSs. No, at kids, if you're listening at home, that's before DVDs or <laughs> Blu-rays. Anyway, um, so we got that whole stuff. And I was just like, that was really kind of the kind of maybe like it was kind of just like the seeds being planted in my kind of movie experience, uh, something that was there. But I used I still enjoy playing outside of course but having those seats planted like movies are going to be part of your future who they might be growing in the near future who knows but that was kind of my first big memory just those disney movies oh that's awesome good, good I, classic i think mulan if i remember correctly well i don't know if this is accurate but 
it's definitely the first movie that I remember seeing in theaters. Like I'm sure I probably saw other ones, but that's the one that I vividly remember. Mm -hmm. And then the first movie I remember seeing without parents was the new Spider-Man. And I like me and my friend, we got kid, kid, uh, kid popcorns. And we like went to go see the movie and we felt so adults. <laughs> we're like 13. Yeah. We were like, we're going to the movies alone. How cool are we? <laughs> yeah. Cool. Hashtag cool. <laughs> that's, that's a Tobey Maguire uh, Spider-Man. That's the mm -hmm. one. Where, okay, cool, cool. Good. That's the good one to go see. That's a, that's a, that's a fun experience. I remember watching that at the, like the cheap theater with my dad and my brothers and sisters, and I'm eating like Twizzlers or whatever. And then, uh, there's a scene that like a jump scare that happens with the green goblin and I throw my licorice up in the air. And I'm like, where the heck did it go? Like, did it fall on somebody? <laughs> like what's going on? It's it legit scared me for some reason. I don't know. You know <laughs> anyway, uh, that's pretty cool though. Uh, so you're, you know, you're doing these internships. Uh, this, what kind of places did you intern at, at after college? Yeah. So uh, when I was in college, I was interning at, uh, well, okay. So, you know, since I switched my major so late, I was like kind of nervous that I wasn't going to be able to oh, yeah. do anything. I was like, it's junior year. Now what? <laughs> um, so, but I like tried to make the most out of like every single semester and break. So um, I try, I started out doing some virtual internships. So I would write for this entertainment website called the Celebrity Cafe. And that was really cool because they, you know, you could do it virtually and they would give you, you know, different things to write or you could um, even do some celebrity interviews. And um, it was just a really like good experience to like get started. Yeah. And then I also interned for Micah Jesse, who was an alumni at my college and he was, um, he's like a celebrity blogger and TV personality. So it was really fun to like get to go to events with him and see what he does. And, yeah, that's cool. um, and then I also interned at uh news 12, like one of the local news, uh, what is it called? Local news, like the little lo local news, literally, um, yeah. <laughs> with the entertainment reporter. And that was really cool. And she kind of showed me uh, the ropes for a lot of things and like how to put together a reel and stuff. And um, and then I interned at Marvel, which was like probably one of my favorite internships ever. Um, I got to help with their podcast um, this week in Marvel. Um, I was kind of there when they were doing the amazing Spider-Man movies. And when they first were announcing that Guardians of the Galaxy was happening and um, I got like, I'm a comic book collector. So I got so many comics to take home every week, which was the best. Um, and then my last. That's, that's cool. Yeah. Oh, it was awesome. And like my, my dad got us into collecting comics. So he was like thrilled. He was like, this is the best ever. I would bring home so many cool things. Um, and then my last internship was like Teen Nick, Nick Tunes, um, which, wow, is, cool. uh, which was really fun because I'm a huge Degrassi fan. So that was like one of the like last few years that like Degrassi was still on Teen Nick. And um, <laughs> it was like the highlight of my life to be nice. able to help <laughs> in any capacity. It was, you know, I'll, these ones were like more digital internships, but it was, it was awesome. Um, and from there, because Teen Nick and Nicktoons are like a Viacom company, that's how I mm -hmm. moving over to MTV for oh. my actual job. But oh, nice. Okay, I'll ask you that question in a second. Um, a uh, couple things that you just dropped on us, uh, Marvel, and you you started. Your dad's a comic book collector. When was that? When did that start? Like, because oh. you're th you're into theater, but then all of a sudden, you're, is your dad collecting comics at that age, or what's what's happened? How did you get into that? 
oh, okay, so like, well, my dad has been a nerd his whole life, <laughs> you know, from when he was young. So, you know, he had all these cool things and, you know, he always collected comic books. And so when we were young, like from, from a very young age, he would, you know, randomly come home with a surprise from work. And it was like, you know, he'd bring us a comic book, you know, a lot of times I got like Archie ones and stuff or, you know, and even I remember like going through the grocery store, you know, they always had the Archie digests. I would go pick those up. And, um, there was like a little place in my town where sometimes they did, um, like sometimes they had little comic books on the stand. So I'd get like Simpsons comics and, um, you know, then I would slowly sneak into my dad's collection and be like, Hey dad, can I look at this? Oh, look, you have a duplicate. Excuse me. This is mine now. You know, <laughs> um, you know, and over time, you know, like we, he just always kind of like instilled that in us. And I was always a big reader also. So, um, you know, comic books were just like something that we grew up with. I mean, I, I was a bit more like meticulous about collecting them than my brother. Like my brother loves flash comics, but me, I'm like, you know, I collect a lot of different ones and I'm, you know, I always got them in my, my boards and they're bagged and, you know, nice after I read them. Nice. Um, you got to have clean hands, you know, cause you don't want to no rips or anything. <laughs> um, but then, um, you know, and then my dad uh, also, me and him have like a tradition where we go to um, free comic book day every year. So we've been going for like forever now, I feel. I mean, it must be over a decade. Um, and we'll go every year. And that's our like yearly tradition. Even now we'll go. I mean, not this year because, you know, pandemic. But, you know, every other year we'll go to free comic book day. We'll go to um, Halloween comic book day and we'll go get pizza and wow. read our comics and we go to Comic-Con together and my dad dresses up and <laughs> that's that's crazy. I would yeah. It's it's so this is so fascinating because it's like yeah. based I, off your based off the your, like your channel and stuff like that you you cover such a range of stuff. I would never have guessed that you were so ingrained in like this this kind of yeah. I guess in a way subgenre of you know, entertainment, you know, it's like a comic book is something that wasn't really taken seriously until very recently. I would probably mm -hmm. say it didn't really hit mainstream until the Sam Raimi Spider-Man's and the Brian Singer X-Men movie. That's where it really came, became kind of front and center. But yeah, we had the Batman and Superman stuff, but it, well, they were fine, but it was more cheesy. So yeah. it, it wasn't really taken serious. That's crazy. That's, that's awesome. That's so, uh, it's so funny you say that because I feel, I, I guess for me, I feel like it's something that people know about me, but maybe it's pe something people don't really know about me. Um, like I, I did a, an episode of my podcast recently about like superhero culture and people were like, yeah. why are you doing this? And I'm like, well, because, well, not that, not why are you doing this, but like, oh, I'm surprised. And it's like, oh, cause I feel like I cover stuff like that, like Umbrella Academy and things. But, you know, I guess maybe people don't necessarily know that like, I'm a big, like, fan of comic books and marvel and things like that in general because maybe i don't talk about it that much but uh yeah we grew up with it my you know it's it's i'm very much like my dad so you know it, it just feels like a you know a tradition type of thing and like a you know makes me feel closer to him and we have a lot of similarities and things in common and we love collecting especially comic books that are um adapted from movies he'll say yeah. all that from me and i'm like no i like it too dad <laughs> you know like very similar. um very goofy as well but um nice. but yeah so you know the, the whole comic book world to me it just feels very like you know like family and like tradition and you know me and my dad bonding and stuff so yeah a lot of good warm like memories nostalgia memories there too yeah uh, yeah and so you also mentioned you worked at nicktoons i think that's something that's also kind of nostalgic as well you mentioned degrassi specifically so i gotta ask you this question do you still yeah. listen to drake do you listen to oh. are you a drake fan 
on the radio, you know? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I, don't, I don't know much. I don't know much about the show. I just know he was in it. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm more like I. I literally listen to like Tori Kelly twenty four seven, and then like the Hamilton soundtrack, and like <laughs> like I'll pick something, and then I'll just listen to it for eternity. So Drake's not one that I like choose to listen to. But if it's on the radio, you know, he's he's very talented. You know, yeah. um, not on my rotation. It's pretty much just Tori Kelly. Nice. Every album. <laughs> yeah, yeah. On got that on repeat. Yeah. <laughs> nice. All right. So yeah, it's a Viacom. Um, Nick Tunes is a Viacom. Uh, Viacom, right? That's I'm saying that right. Yes. Okay. So that's how you kind of got your foot in the door with MTV. Did you have to intern with them specifically, or you were kind of like, okay, we're going to give you a couple projects to work on, and then we'll kind of take notes ourselves, and then we'll, we'll see how it see it. give you like a trial period. If that, that's I guess that's mm-hmm. what I'm trying to ask. Um, no, so what happened was basically after my internship, I was like, I need a job. And <laughs> I wanted to learn more about what other people did at Viacom, you know, like, so I reached out to the HR people and they were like, okay, here's some names, reach out to them, see if they'll like do an informational with you. And it was literally just an informational just to find out like what other people do. Cause I feel like, I mean, I don't know if this is how young people feel now, but when I was graduating, I was like, I still don't know like anything. Like, what is this job? Like, what do you do? Like, I don't, I don't get it. Um, so I reached out to a bunch of people. Only one person got back. Yeah. <laughs> that guy, my, you know, I was always taught like whatever, whenever you go to like an informational or anything like that, just bring your resume because even if it's not like an interview, you know, an interview, you never know, you know, yeah. you, you could just pass along. Maybe they'll pass along to someone else, you know? So I met with this guy and he was, you know, the like running or, you know, one of the leads on the MTV, um, you know, shows team. Um, Then it was encoding full episodes to go up online. So, you know, kind of like if you were going to watch a full episode on MTV or a sneak peek on MTV.com, like we were the Mm -hmm. people that put it up there. And that was sort of similar to what I had done as in my internship at Teen Nick and Nicktoons. Like one of the things that I had done was, was working in that like content management system. So I was like, okay, like I could probably do that, but this was really just an informational, right? So he was really nice. I gave him my resume and he was like, actually I heard about this other job at MTV. If you want to apply. So I applied, I didn't get it. And then like a couple of months later or a couple of weeks later, he was like, by the way, actually we are looking for someone now. Do you want to apply? And I was like, yes. Wow. That's good. Yeah. It was was really nice. And, um, he sent me like an edit test of like, you know, I had to pull like a still and write like what kind of like headline I would use for certain things like to, to put up online. And, um, and then I got the job and it was great. And that guy was, was an awesome boss. And, um, you know, over time though, our position changed. So, uh, I was always on that team, but they started realizing these people have to watch a lot of episodes of these shows. So maybe they should actually run the MTV like show accounts for these projects, you know, so that, you know, because it was kind of, there's a lot of shows, you know, and to have one team, you know, doing that, it was just probably a lot, I'm assuming. So over time, we started doing both, we would encode the full episodes and things. And we would run the social accounts, and we would brainstorm and think of like, what social activations and things we wanted to do. And um, then eventually, you know, as our team continued to grow, um, now this was at the very start, you know, of, of social, yeah. this was like, what, like 2013. So like, you know, what YouTube had been around for like three years, you know, like, yeah, <laughs> of social media. Like I didn't even know that was like a job when I was growing up. You know that this would be. It sounds made up. Yeah, <laughs> basically, right. when you started. 
Yeah. So, um, you know, so they, I started running social accounts and it was really fun. And then eventually they were like, actually, you guys are doing a lot of work. We're going to have another team do these encoding things and you guys will focus on social. Um, and then, you know, I, I got to work on a lot of really cool projects. Um, I also then kind of like moved over to MTV2 and I was kind of working on both projects, like MTV and MTV2 projects. Um, then I moved over to TRL when they brought that back. And um, and then now I'm working on the MTV brand social team. So that was that original team that was like, you know, running the social accounts from the at the very, very beginning. Now that's kind of the team that I work on. But we just uh, run the MTV proper accounts and things related to that. So it's been a, you know, always doing social, but kind of like going all over the place within it, which has been fun. It sounds like you kind of have to be kind of have that mi- mindset. Well, I've already, I already know that you have this mindset based off a lot of things you're giving us. You know, you're saying that you kind of be a go getter, but also flexible enough to be kind of bounce up around. And you yeah. know, you're saying that you you applied for a job and you didn't necessarily get it, and then but he remembered you. Say, hey, apply for this one, and then you were able to get it too because mm-hmm. you made an impression on the guy to get a this a, this new position that opened up, and then it opened up a, another avenue, and you're bouncing around back and forth, and uh, now you're at a really sounds like an awesome experience a lot of crazy back and forth stuff but man, yeah. you're really, it seems like you're balancing it pretty well at least yeah it's it's been great to work on all of those different types of projects because I think it really you know like I said social media wasn't really a thing when I was you know mm-hmm. graduating you know like, or like it was becoming a thing so I feel like I really got like a grassroots like knowledge and like hands-on experience of like how to do this stuff and, um, you know, work on so many different varieties of social, you know, whether it's my own personal brand or another company's brand or uh, different shows What you know, I mean, like the voice, for instance, of like Wild and Out is going to be really different from the voice of like Awkward, which is different from the voice of Girl Code, you know, like all <laughs> these different voices. It kind of felt like going back to like my acting roots because you have to you know, like be a comedian to be the voice of, you know, and I'm not a comedian, but you had to, you know, figure it out. And, um, you know, and then being able to work on so many different types of shows from scripted to reality to, um, tent poles, like VMAs to talk shows and, and live shows like, um, TRL and stuff, you know, like it's just like a huge range of experience, which I think has been super helpful, especially when I go to do my own things, because I can kind of take that experience and social professionally but also personally and kind of put both of those experiences together to like increase my knowledge if that makes sense no yeah, absolutely yeah and it, it, you're working with so many different things you're saying it's like you're just doing socials you're working on with live shows you're working with scripted shows reality shows like oh, there's that's tons of different things it's like it's all entertainment but you can't look at it as just like a source of entertainment there's different ways you have to look at all these different projects and you have to mm-hmm. you have to be able to kind of adapt with what you're working on yeah uh, yeah and just you know as social media grows you know like you know just learning about not even just the voices of social platforms but like what works well on twitter versus instagram versus you know whether it's the type of content or the format and just different things like that and you know it, it's it's really cool to be able to like figure that kind of stuff out you know no absolutely and you know uh, almost sideways uh, which is that's you know our podcast but we we mm-hmm. the site i i came onto this team uh, 7 years ago and we've been yeah. and originally it We've had just we're a website. They had the website almost sideways.com. Check it out. All movie reviews there. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, 
but that's been around for 10 years. It's just the, the group of guys, uh, my Terry and Todd are brothers and they knew a guy from Zach and really cool guys. And they asked me to be on the team because I just shared a, a passion, a love for movies as well. So I've been on with seven years and we really didn't, we really haven't ex- like we're branching out more, especially this year, but they, they, they started this podcast a, a little I'm going to get the timeline wrong on that, but it's maybe two years now. They've almost hit a hundred episodes. So maybe, maybe it's a little more, but anyway, but a hundred episodes out and I was doing YouTube with almost sideways, but I was putting so much stuff there to try to grow that. And it's, it's tough. You have to balance, especially if you have a, like a family, it's really, oh, it's, yeah. that's, that's tough to do. And for me, I had to take a step back because I wasn't balancing really well. And I was focusing more on the, that stuff. And you know, we talked a little bit about this, getting so excited about something. All you could focus is on that. And that's what I was doing. Um, and, but then it's like, I've always been a part of it, but now this year happened and it's been kind of crazy and I needed an outlet too. So I started doing these daily notes episodes where I'm sitting, meeting awesome guests like you, and also talking about my own personal movies, giving us a little bit of a platform, but learning how to podcast is different than learning how to be a YouTuber. It feels like it's two different things. This was more, a little bit more relaxed, but how do I grow that? And how do I expand it too? And, and I'm also running our almost sideways Twitter. So trying to figure out what works, it's, it's been challenging, but I, I feel like it's been kind of rewarding, rewarding and I'm learning how to do it more. So every little thing has a, every little thing of social and stuff has its own challenges, but it's rewarding if you're willing to put the time in for sure. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I think people don't always necessarily take social seriously and like they think it's so easy. And then when they have to do it, they're like, oh, actually, <laughs> this is not as easy as it looks. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think it's it's I think it's it's a fun and rewarding platform to be on because you get to see so much community and, um, you know, people uniting and coming together that maybe would never have been able to do that before. So, you know, it's, it's definitely worth it, but you know, it's, it's a little bit harder than I think people give it credit for. And, you know, there's more that goes into it strategy wise and just like, let's just throw this up, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, uh, that's the thing. You get to think about the timelines and like, when are you posting things? What are you posting? And, mm-hmm. uh, who is it going to be like, what time frame? I, I, how I, I know how I was doing on YouTube, and this might not be something that works for Twitter, but that the the thing is, you want to hit the time frame of what New York's hitting, the East East Coast is hitting. So you want to plan out when you post the videos on the West Coast, make sure it hits at a perfect time during the East Coast to try to get all their viewers, and then it'll. That's how at least some of the strategies that I found on mm-hmm. that helped my channel at least at least for my content. Every content creator is different, and what their audience is. However, you know, that's what I was working, but posting something at a certain time might not get so many views even or likes or anything like that. It's, it's very fascinating how that's structured, but anyway, there's so many different conversations about that. That's something out, but I want to know more about kind of stuff that you've worked on. So I, I know that you, you're the social and digital footprint of like a ton of shows. You've worked on like shows like catfish and true life and a teen mom and girl code and a bunch of other stuff. What was like, and there's the list goes on, but what was like one of the the things that you worked on that, you know what, that's kind of like one of my favorite things that I've worked on. And Oh yeah. There's a, there's a couple, but um, I, I would say in terms of shows, faking it was a show that I loved working on. Um, that was my first scripted show that I ever got to, you know, kind of work on and, be a part of and I really got to take a lot of ownership there and um basically I ran the social accounts and um 
I really formed like we really formed a community, um, yeah. which is what I feel like I've learned from MTV in general is just like that community bond and like, you know, being able to engage with with audiences is is so powerful. And, um, you know, there was, uh, you know, I was so involved there. And one of the things that I had seen that the fans wanted was an after show. And yeah. I was like. Oh, that's cool. Like, I would love to see that. Actually, I would love to like be a part of that. So I had pitched an idea of doing an after show. Um, and I hosted it and I helped write it and we filmed it at my desk. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, each week for, I think it was a second season, the second season. Oh my God. It was so long ago now. Um, I would, yeah, it was definitely the second season. I would uh, recap the show, kind of talk about it, you know, answer fan comments, and then um, interview one of the stars from the show. And um, it was so cool. I was like, this is my first, like, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm like, (laughs) I'm taking my YouTube, like, passion and and putting it into my job somehow, you know, like being, letting, having them let me do that, Um, which was really cool that they even let me do that opportunity. and actually, it was really funny because um, I don't know if you watch Star Girl. Have you seen that show? I, I know of the show. I, there's, I'm so far behind on TV. Yeah, <laughs> so. But um, uh, Vet Monreal, who plays um, one of the superheroes, uh, Wildcat, on that show, she was on Booking It, and I was her first interview ever, apparently. Oh, wow. That's awesome. And um, then later on, when I worked on TRL, she came in for Rambo. Um, last blood and she remembered me like she like really remembered me she was like oh yeah you had shorter hair I was like girl you (laughs) (laughs) that was like years ago and then um just now in the the quarantine this past month for Hispanic Heritage Month I reached out to her to see if she'd want to you know talk to me on uh, Pop Culture Planet and she came on and we had this like really awesome conversation and um it was just so crazy like full circle that like that first experience that I had you know doing something like that at MTV um, one of those moments was with her and then we got to kind of like reunite six years later. Um, yeah. And it was just, it felt like really cool to be like, look at where we are now. It's kind like, of, it kind of went like full circle. Like, yeah. Like, that's awesome. And uh, that show where we're, we're talking about was the, um, all the feels, right? That's the, the, yeah. the yeah. 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 This is not the only show that you were able to do this with. Um, we were also did, it was a, a stream. Is that uh, it's another digital yeah, show that you did? Stream. Yeah, that was this year, which was crazy. Um, so on my team, you know, you know, with the quarantine, it was kind of like, what are we going to do? Like, will talent come in? And like, obviously not because, you know, <laughs> um, so we were trying to figure out like different other projects that we could do like from home. And I was like, well, I have a camera and I have lights and I have a mic and I have like all this stuff I would love to pitch something so um I pitched to do kind of like a a show talking about what is still streaming on music in music tv and movies now that we're like in these crazy times and they were like yeah let's do it so I got to do four episodes of that in April and it was so cool to like basically you know film direct write uh light you know yeah and do just like do all this stuff and then it was like on the mtv platforms um and we had like one of the editors on our team like edited it together and it just looked so awesome and i was like this is the coolest thing i've ever done <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome the yeah. uh, that's pretty cool that that that's 
when you're pitching these ideas, have mm -hmm. you pitched other things that you might not, we might not, you might not have to go into it, but have you pitched other things that you really were excited about that maybe almost are in, uh, almost going to happen? Or is there anything that we could uh, maybe uh, get some information about that? Is there any, um, you know, for, for, for pitching stuff at work, like that's kind of, these are kind of like one off, like things mm -hmm. that have been very exciting that happen, but like, that's not my regular job there. So, yeah. um, not in that con, not there, but I do have a secret project that I'm working on that is supposed to start filming at the end of this month. That like, I don't know if I'm allowed to say anything about it yet, but when it, I don't want you to get in trouble. So don't, we'll, we'll, it's hinted. Look yes. out for it, type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's not uh, work related. It's it's my own. It's a different outside project, but I'm very excited for it. So I'll let you know when it's uh. <laughs> that that's why you should follow Kristen Molinato at Kmaldo on Twitter, so you can keep up to date with that stuff. Make yes. sure you do it. <laughs> um. But yeah. So yes, exciting things are happening. But there we go. That's awesome. And yeah. you've actually been, you know. You started in 2013 with doing all, all this amazing stuff for, you know, that you're being able to do for MTV. But you also mentioned you started a YouTube channel and like shortly after that, by me, like 2014-ish yeah. um, was the rough timeline. What made you want to start a YouTube channel and take on that project? Well, yeah, so my uh, reason for starting a YouTube channel was really that kind of inspiration I had mentioned before of, you know, going to these panels for journalism where they were like, if you want experience, you got to make it yourself. So I was like, yeah. all right, well, I'll try to maybe like put my own show together on YouTube and like talk about entertainment. And it was more really to get experience um, being on camera. That was, that was the main reason why I started. Um, and then kind of as I continued to do it, I started figuring out, you know, more about editing and more about putting videos together and, you know, started doing reviews and and different things like that um originally like if you go all the way back in my channel like there's random <laughs> stuff that's like not really entertainment uh but I was just trying whatever you know because I was like I just I don't know what I'm doing um I would say in the last like maybe three or four years is probably when I've like really figured out what I'm doing more yeah. at least you know I think we're always all figuring stuff out still but um and then in the last like year or so really is when I've started getting more access to things, which has been really cool. And I feel like I'm being taken a little bit more seriously, which I'm like, what? This is insane. But also like, finally, because, you know, I think that um, I'm sure maybe you've experienced this also, but you know, sometimes it feels like when you're in like the film and TV space on YouTube that like, we don't necessarily get taken seriously because everyone's so focused on like, you know, beauty and, and, you know, these personality creators. And so like, when you go to like, conventions like VidCon or something, you know, you never really see people like us doing like panels like that. And it's like, how do you, you know, where do we start? How, what do we do? How do we like do this? Um, and I feel like in the last year is really when like, you know, PR people are starting to take us more seriously. Like, oh, okay. These people are going to review our project or these people will, you know, do an interview. Um, you know, and, and a lot more people are starting to get access, which is awesome. And I think also, you know, it's, it's more like, I feel like at least in the last, you know, maybe year or two, uh, I've started connecting with more people in our community and been able to like collaborate with people or learn from people or, you know, talk to other um, people about like, what are you doing? What are you experiencing? And kind of realizing that we're all in the same boat of like, we're figuring it out, you know? Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, yeah. and, and then, just, you know, 
I feel like I started out originally trying to just get experience and now it's kind of become this thing that is like, you know, a community and I'm trying to build something and it feels really cool to have this thing that I've, you know, done it all on my own and people are starting to like recognize it, you know, and um, like you mentioned earlier, you know, I became a Rotten Tomatoes approved critic this this past year and you know, things like that where, you know, I'm just like, this is so cool that like all this work that I've put in all this time is like starting to be recognized by people. And, and, you know, they want me to review their projects or to interview them or, you know, to be a part of what I'm building. Um, so that's been really cool. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, going back to kind of what you said about like being taken seriously. Yeah, it is true. that the YouTube space, really the, the main, the more popular channels are, you know, personality creators or uh just you know makeup or fashion creators Mm -hmm. or even video game content too a lot of people are very popular in those spaces however Mm -hmm. the movie space isn't or movie tv space for creators it's really hard to kind of get your foot in the door because i've I've talked to another creator cody leach he's a specifically a horror one but he mentioned like when he first started you know you you try to do a little bit of everything like everybody else is doing because really it's that's just to see what works for you and you eventually find your voice and you said you found your voice as well Mm -hmm. and when i first started i kind of started in this weird kind of um, this perfect era era a few years ago was way after the chris stuckmans and the jeremy johns the more and the more popular video those are probably the two highest like sub count channels for the film you know it, there's so many people talking about movies that it, it is kind of hard to be taken seriously unless you have this huge following because there's so many people do, so many people doing it and mm-hmm. you know i was i i when i started mine i kind of was right when sean chandler started or a couple of weeks after or a little bit after sean chandler started Durbania and ryan o'toole and uh cody leach a lot of those are my people that i kind of really really kind of attached to because those are the people that started when i did so we can all we're going through the same thing and yeah we there was some great success. There was some great success there, but you have to learn. And it, and when you start seeing the, the, your count go up, you, it's a, it's a good feeling because you feel like you're getting taken seriously. That people are actually wanting to listen to your voice. It's it's, it's awesome. But the, the movie space is really hard to kind of break through uh, because there's so many people talking about movies, and that's a that's a good thing. That's a good problem to have. But then also trying to you're trying to break through a little bit upper echelon too so that's a it's awesome that people are finally recognizing that hey these people who are, love talking about movies it's a great thing that lets let's help promote them and help build them up too and recognize the, what their concept that their thoughts and opinions too yeah that's awesome i mean um going back really quick to what you said about like oh, yeah. um coming up with all these guys it's like that's so cool that you were able to like kind of have that community um you know, starting out, I feel like I didn't really become part of any community till like, you know, more recently, you know, where I'm finally starting to like connect with people. And it's, it's a cool feeling, you know, like I, I think one of my favorite parts of this is getting to meet other people that, you know, are interested in the same things as me, you know, so like to be able to chat with you today is like really cool, you know, that yeah. we're able to like, connect. Um, and then going back to what you were saying about taking seriously, another thing that I think is just that, um, you know, there's so much power in the, in word of mouth. And I think that that's exactly what we do, you know, yeah, um, exactly. recommendations. And, um, you know, I just think that the more that we're taken seriously in this space and like 
are given the opportunities to to cover things. Um, honestly, it's just helping all these other companies because we're not we're not getting paid to do this, you know, unless you make a lot of money off of YouTube ads, you know, and like we're just doing this because we love it and we're sharing our honest thoughts and um, the the power of of word of mouth is it's there, you know, and, um, I had even been to a panel. I mean, this was in the UK. So, but I feel like it's probably relevant everywhere. Uh, they were saying that like for, let's say it's like for every hour of game of Thrones, people watch, they watch another three hours of supplementary content on YouTube, whether that's someone explaining it or a sneak peek or someone breaking down all these different things. And it's like, there's so much uh, that's not being tapped into there where like, you know, these companies can work with people who are already naturally creating that content. Um, and so to see that, like now that's actually starting to happen, I'm like, Oh wow. Finally, I, you yeah. know, I wish that it started sooner, but you know, I think we're all kind of in the same space. So, you know, I'm glad it's happening. Yeah. That, that is, that's, that's awesome. There's so much that kind of come like, like there's so many things that I watch on YouTube now and now that I'm kind of out of the movie space, I don't necessarily watch, a ton of like movie like content as much now i just kind of there's just so much stuff to watch and it's like i, mi- I miss people's streams and i try to pop in and like when i know when you do the pop culture uh, planet podcast episodes live thursdays at 3 30 pst um yeah I, I try to join them and i'm at work when i'm listening to them and i'll i'll, I'll try to be involved in content uh comment on them and it's been fun. It's something like I like to listen to, like like driving around, listening to different people talk about different things. It, it might be like this might be my nerdyism, but it might be a wrestling channel I watch. It might be like a a guy playing MLB the Show on PlayStation. It might be like a movie conversation. It, it's all kind of like what what am I into at that day for that day? And it's it's fun. There's so much different content out there that branching off and listening to somebody that you might not even have heard of listening to their voice and you might have found like a diamond in the rough and definitely support those people because there's a lot of amazing voices out there that definitely need to be heard. Absolutely. I mean, that's honestly, that's why I started pop culture planet because I just felt like there wasn't enough diversity in the space and the same people. I agree. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, well I want to collaborate with people. I just don't know how. And, um, I had been on my friend Steffi's podcast a couple of times, Diva Dailies, which I recommend. She's a genius. Um, she dissects uh, divas in film and television. And it's so fun because she gets so analytical. And so like when we do episodes together, um, yeah. we, we go like, so deep into things that like you wouldn't even think like it's that deep, but like it's so fun. Um, and so after being on her show a bunch and just like wanting to figure out how to collaborate with people and, and wanting to help bring other voices to the forefront, I was like, okay, well, maybe I will try doing a podcast. And I'm so, I mean, I'm tired (laughs) because it's (laughs) a lot of episodes so far. I think in the future, I'm going to maybe cut down my seasons a little bit shorter, but I feel like I've learned so much from so many different types of people and the people that we've had on, you know, range from different backgrounds, different ethnicities, different states, different countries, different um, sexual orientations. And I feel like I've learned so much um, and it makes me really happy to be able to like start out the show being like, tell us about yourself. Like I want to know what you do and like then get into our topics and hear different people's opinions about things from female filmmakers to superhero culture to, you know, seeing people of color in horror and, you know, just like being able to tap into all these different stories and like 
I'm just, I feel like I'm sitting there like, wow, this person's so smart. Thank you for yeah. giving me time, you know? And it's been like such a cool experience, but like that really, that idea of just like wanting to work with other people and help bring forth other voices was really kind of what inspired that. Like I, I'm really focused on bringing women and people of color specifically on because I just feel like, you know, as a Latina, I, I don't feel like we get enough representation. Um, and I feel like there's so many other, um, you know, people from other backgrounds that don't get enough representation. And there's a lot of really smart experts out there. Um, so that's kind of where that, you know, inspiration came from. Yeah, that it's something that's very important. The Hispanic Heritage Month, you know, uh, might have just ended. Um, but that's something that it should not stop for one month, you should continue to mm -hmm. support these people, support people of color, different ethnicities, uh, sexual orientations, whatever, because who you're not supporting, you know, you're supporting their voice and that voice is so important mm -hmm. and listening to the, their words, because who cares? Like right now we're on a podcast, but if you watch me on a video, you can see I'm my skin. I'm so white. Like I am, I, I'm really white. However, I love talking to people that I've, like you and I've never interacted, but I'm having such a great time learning about your voice. And that's, I, when I reach out to some people now back on YouTube, I'll explain in a second, but now when I'm doing this, like I want to listen because people have amazing stories and I want to get to know them. And mm -hmm. I think that's the part the power of, uh, branching out and collabing with people. And when I was doing YouTube, I, um, you know, I reached out to a lot of people. A lot of people commented, like, I'm just the king of collabs because I was always collabing with somebody on a ranking or a live show or whatever. I was having people on. However, I did get in the habit of, and I admit, I was reaching out to the same people. Mm -hmm. I, um, I had conversations with several other people on YouTube uh, or on Twitter uh, about I would like to work with you uh, and I would like to do this. And I, I support, you know, supporting women on in film Twitter and uh, supporting women uh, creators as well. However, uh, I, my actions didn't back that up. I didn't have people on my channel, as, as many people on my channel that was reflecting the words I was putting out on social media. And, you know, I, that's my probably my biggest regret about YouTube because is that I truly believe that people's voices are powerful. And I think that uh, everybody who comes from a different part of the country or their skin color, where ethnic, where all those different uh, vernacular verbs, and um, is that they bring something different and a new perspective to different things on uh, film and life in general and stuff like that. And hearing that is powerful. We have to have ears to hear that those conversations. And um, yeah, it's 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 amazing what you're doing over on your podcast because it's something that I know that I've I, I'm wanting to do more of I want to reach out to different people and just talk to them that maybe don't have as I'm not looking to for people who have a hundred thousand viewers to interview them. no I'm a small podcaster too and I'm just thankful that somebody with who would, who would like to be on the, the my talking with movies with me so I'm it's it's if you're a, a youtuber out there reach out to people that you haven't worked with before and you'll be surprised that they have something amazing to offer and uh that's what I, that's what I would probably say to listen to their words and reach out to, for their voice. That's what support everybody, you know, type of thing. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think, um, it's, it can be really powerful and, and it's, and I think it's, it's big to recognize that you feel like you, you didn't do enough before. And, and I think it's, 
you know, it's it's also powerful to to look at, you know, the things that people are reviewing and recognize that like I can't necessarily I guess um bring as much background as I would like to to a certain topic because maybe that's not my experience and and bringing other people in who can speak more to that topic, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um and I, I think that just goes to show like how important, you know, it is to have representation, not even just on screen and behind the scenes, but also in criticism and, and in, in the different experts that come on for different projects. Cause it's like, you know, um, you know, there's, there's certain things that like, you know, maybe I can speak to, but I won't have as big of an expertise as someone who maybe is from that background or who, who can really, you know, dive into that topic more, um, as much as I, you know, as I could be a pop culture expert, sometimes it's, there's, uh, more that goes into that. I think, you know, yeah. your experiences can help inform a lot of things, um, which I think is really, I think people are starting to recognize that more now. Yeah. I think, um, unfortunately, like a lot of things that are being, brought to the forefront a lot of people are kind of learning that maybe the things how things weren't weren't the best uh, things that we were doing and like uh obviously like the black not lives matter movement and a bunch of other movements that have branched off since then has brought light to different things and different ways like up to looking at the world and i think uh and maybe we're taking or we should be taking a more, it more seriously and listening to the, these different things. And it, it, all, it all kind of branches out to like a, a bigger worldview and stuff too, even though it's just like a movie space and uh, it's just pers- people's perspective just brings so much more. And why wouldn't you want to have that uh, different conversations with people about different things? It's, 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 it's all very fast. It's, it's a big thing, but it also can be brought down to a, such a small thing. That's uh well, yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely powerful. Why is this such a, a passionate issue for you? Yeah, I mean, I think that, um, you know, growing up as a Latina, I, looking back now, didn't see a lot of people like myself on screen. And I, I didn't necessarily recognize that. But then as I get older, I the more I can see the importance of, like, why I wish I had. Um, yeah. I think also, like, I'm, as I've gotten older, I'm just recognizing more when like a story doesn't work because of the lack of representation. Um, there was, there's a show on Freeform called The Bold Type, which is so much fun. You know, it's these three women working in the magazine industry. Um, and one of the characters is a black woman who um, the actress herself, Aisha D, has said that she just felt like her character's experience didn't match her own mm. and there was a there was a scene in particular that I recognized that in in the first season um and that she you know like more recently has addressed also but the scene is basically that um she's dating and um I believe she's dating a Muslim woman and a police officer comes up to that woman and kind of like gets in her face and she uh her character as a black woman comes up to that police police officer and gets in his face about it mm. and it just feels like that is not something that a black woman would necessarily feel comfortable doing in this current climate. And so to that happen on screen just felt like tone deaf, you know, like clearly whoever is working on this is not a black woman or a person of color and is not kind of getting into that mindset. And that was something that I recognized watching the first season. And then um, more recently, actually, within the last year, uh, that actress has come out and said, like, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of issues with, like, as much as I love this show and working on it, that there are not 
people of color working on this show and you can tell and it it's very frustrating to not be able to see my experience told authentically on screen. And so it's like moments like that that really um just like make me even more passionate about representation and why we should be telling stories that like are authentic because yeah. you know people want, like as much as like you know movies and TV are fictional at times um there's, I think with every story, there is some kind of like connection to a reality or to something that, and that's what makes you have this emotional connection. So when you would see a story like hers, where it's like, this makes no sense. This mm-hmm. is not how a black woman would be able to um, interact in today's society. You know, it, it takes you out of the project and kind of makes you think like, well, who wrote this? Like what, what? Um, and, um, you know, and so, so those, those are moments that, that kind of make me aware. And, and also just, you know, like, um, being able to see projects recently that Netflix has done, like, um, Vampires versus the Bronx or yeah. a Guide to Monster Hunting, um, or even the upcoming Jingle Jangle, which is a new African-American, um, led musical extravaganza, basically, that's coming out for Christmas, um, as these projects come out, I start realizing I have never seen that before. It's 2020. I'm 30 years old and I've never seen young black and brown kids leading a Christmas movie or leading a Halloween movie. And how sad is that, that like we don't get to have that experience and that we can look at everybody else's experience and be like, oh, yeah, I can. I mean, I can relate to, you know, Halloween Town or, you know, Hocus Pocus and have fun with it. But, you know, but but then we don't get to see ourselves on screen in a positive way. Like, that's so sad. And so to be able to see these projects come out just make me so happy to be like, oh, wow, like maybe this will be a new classic that like we'll be able to share with the future, you know, and and be able to see more stories like this. Like I'd love to see a Latino led Christmas movie, you know, or, you know, all these other different types of projects or, or more projects where people of color are leading romantic comedies. Like I just think that there are certain spaces that we haven't been in, you know, horror, sci fi, romantic, like it's a lot of spaces, honestly. And these are the things that then I start noticing. And and um, and then I realize like this is why it's so important because I shouldn't I shouldn't have to notice like oh this is the first time like it should just be normal yeah um, and I feel like I am noticing that a lot lately like I'm noticing when there are when there's diversity and when there's really not and um, the world is diverse you know our whole society is made up of so many different types of people whether it's people of color people of different sexual orientations, uh, people of, of, of different abilities, like disabilities and, and things like that, you know, like we should be able to see every type of person portrayed because these people exist, you know? Yeah. So great, that was not a long feel, but <laughs> no, I, I loved it. I loved it. Um, like if schoolhouse rock has taught me anything when I was a kid is that we're the great American melting pot. Granted, there's everybody. It, that's just the, the saying that, but uh, in the song, but there's so many, that means is that everybody is a part. There's so many different things represented in our country and countries around the world as well. But why wouldn't you want to see different things on screen like that? It, it And bring it kind of full circle, give you guys some more information about me. My wife's Mexican and, you know, and I have a daughter who's six years old and I want to see, have her know that it's okay to go out and do it, be that and feel comfortable and seeing thing people that look like her and be 
on screen and also be proud of who she is. Like she, we just got done with a teacher's conference on school and she was, uh, she was, she was doing her numbers where she's supposed to respond to the numbers in English, but she was saying in Spanish, I was like, it's awesome. I love that. You know, that your letters and are your numbers in Spanish, but also say it in English too. So that the teacher knows that you actually know what that is in, in both languages. And even the teacher was like, that's so awesome that you can, you know, both are learning both languages too, and be proud of her culture and stuff too too so once we got done with uh vampires versus the bronx i I tweeted this out to the director i was like now my daughter wants to be a vampire hunter like Mm because that's because she saw somebody that looked like her and she was going out and she was like pretending there was vampires in our house and she was going after them and it was awesome to see so that's so cool yeah like she's only six years old and my wife and i've had conversations about this too we want the world's a crazy place. It's a scary place out there, especially this year. And we want our daughter, the best for our daughter. I'm 31 and you know, there's a lot of life my daughter has to live. And for me as well, and I want to have the best possibility for my daughter to succeed in life. And I want to have her feel confident being a strong Hispanic woman as well. And uh, it, it's awesome to see that, you know, the world is finally maybe starting to go in that route or with media too so i'm uh, very happy about that kind of stuff so i would love to see a latina christmas movie as well that'd be kind of that'd be funny that'd be fun yeah definitely <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway so uh, we're kind of almost at the hour mark here and i i don't want to keep i know you're you said you've been you have a busy day and i, I don't want to take too much of your time so i really do appreciate everything yeah. anyway i uh, quickly remind people when your podcast drops or when when you uh the, your social media is as well yeah so um my podcast pop culture planet drops thursdays at 6 30 p.m est we're live so if you want to join us live and listen to what we're talking about and then uh throw in some comments or questions. We are always welcoming. Um, and you can find me on youtube.com slash kmaldo, K-A-Y-M-A-L-D-O, and also kmaldo on Twitter and Facebook. And if you add a one at the end, I'm there on Instagram. Absolutely. And um, quick, let me get the date real fast here. Uh, and so this this episode will drop before your next podcast or your live show for your podcast. Um, what's can we? Are you able to tell us the topic and who you have on? Yeah, so this upcoming episode is diving into the legacy of Back to the Future. Um, oh, I'm wow. Fan. Um, and we will be joined by Chris Parker and uh, J- Dave Down Under. Oh, nice. Okay, nice. Okay, I know those two guys. So that's, I'm going to definitely <laughs> – and I love that film too. That's one of my fa- favorites. So definitely, yeah. guys – that will be October 22nd. Make sure you guys tune in on K- uh, Kristen Maldonado's YouTube channel. The link is in the show notes. And I'm th- putting you in the spot because I didn't ask you this before. We always end the, sh- the, the show with a song that is recommended by the guest. What would you like the show to end with? Oh. Hmm. Um, how about Nobody's Supposed to Be Here, specifically the dance remix by... Deborah Cox. Listen, enjoy. We'll see you next time. Bye.